0: Welcome to the Ashley Webster Experience. Uh, Joining us today for the podcast, he's already laughing at me. The one and only uh, Anthony Scaramucci <laughs> is here if today. If I had
1: that accent, I'd have at least $10 billion. Uh, I, mean, <laughs> I would be on the Forbes for Forget on. about it.
0: Dude, you're the one with the accent. I don't have an accent. You do. Remember that. I have
1: that. An accent, and unfortunately, it's cost me billions of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> if I had that accent, I would be very rich.
0: Well, let me just set the scene. Alongside me here is the executive, executive producer, all-around all right, good you. guy, Brian Solomon. Uh, Anthony, thank you so much for being here. Um, I've me? known yeah, you for through. years now through Fox Business Network, and... What a wild ride you've had. Uh, you Look, you're a financier, you're an entrepreneur, you're a political consultant, you're also an author. You've just brought out your fourth book, if I'm correct. Yes, sir. Uh, Trump, the Blue Collar President. Um, Obviously, I want to know about the wild days at the wild White, white, yeah, white sure. House. Happy
1: to share it. Um, okay, with that in mind, let's go to November. Twi- I, I, I could also replace mayhem on the Allstate commercial. If necessary. <laughs> I could see you Do doing everything. it. <laughs> November twenty sixteen. So
0: yeah. November twenty sixteen. Let me get yes. right to it. The Trump transition team is put together. You are on it. Yep. I can only imagine yep. the jockeying. And yeah. the backstabbing and the, the the maneuvering from all these people who want to be a part of this team and be a part of the administration. You were a part of that. Describe for me what it was like.
1: Well, I'm going to just tell you the the truth. I, I was interviewed by Playboy magazine after the debacle. Of course, I only read Playboy for the articles, as you guys know. Of course. And, the journalism. And, and uh, he asked me, he said, well, you, you, know, you seem pretty naive about everything. And I said, well, you know what? I was actually naive to the 10th power because – I thought we were a team, and I'm used to corporations and businesses and entrepreneurship, and obviously I molded my own teams because i have been the CEO of my company for the last 13 years and the first company for eight years before that. So I assumed we were going in there as a team. I didn't realize that the House of Cards and the Game of Thrones and the Hunger Games screenwriters were in the room with me. Okay, I didn't realize we were going to do that to each other. So, So I was aghast at what was going on, and so I was actually with you. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I was named, I was on the Stuart Varney show sitting next to you and Lizzie, and I was named to the Trump transition team. It was a Friday morning after the election. Right, Right. I looked over at you because Trump had indicated it to me on the Wednesday. And so I said, you know. He's delivered on his promise because he said, you're coming to work with me, and you're going to be on the transition team. And he put me on the executive transition team, and I began the process of interviewing people for him and helping them think about That's trade. was a big job. Yeah. It was, it was a terrific experience, and I had to shed my Fox business employment as right. the host mm-hmm. of Wall Street right, Week on the weekend right. show. Yeah. And so I gave that up, uh, reported immediately to Trump Tower, and spent eight weeks up there, and... The backstabbing was unbelievable. I mean, the lying, the deceitfulness. I tell my friends on Wall Street – I'm 30 years on Wall Street. I want you to imagine the worst person you've ever met on Wall Street, I tell my friends. And they, they get that person in their mind and say, that's the best person in Washington. <laughs> oh, boy. Did, that did is you the know, vicar Anthony, of morality Did you, in know
0: you know who didn't like you? Were you aware who your enemies well, were?
1: Well, I, I, I actually didn't because Reince Priebus uh, was a guy who I worked with on the Mitt Romney campaign. Mm-hmm. He – he was a glad-handing sort of a guy when I was giving him money, uh, but when it became clear that I was coming into the operation, he didn't want me anywhere near the president. No. His attitude was try to keep as many New Yorkers out of the system, let's run opposition research on Rudy, opposition research on uh, Chris Christie, and let's figure out a way to slam Anthony Scaramucci. We've got to keep him out of, this, uh, but why? Out of the job. Uh, he's an insecure guy. You know, and I obviously said it in a way that was a little bit too colorful to somebody that I trusted and that caused yeah. me to get fired, which is fine. I'm a big boy. I, I'm a personally accountable for the mistake that I made. But he's a very insecure guy, and, and you can take this to the bank. You guys work at a big company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you are insecure and underconfident, it breeds paranoia and backstabbing it's almost like a human psychological yeah. equation you you'll find that the people that are stabbing you in the back that want your job or blah 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 mm-hmm. they're insecure mm-hmm. uh, secure people are like how am i going to make ashley better how many what's your mm-hmm. first name again? brian, brian. how am i going to make brian better how am i going to build you up you know at skybridge i believe in a plus three mentality what is that or in this case plus six The three of us together should equal six. We should figure out a way to create enough synergies Mm -hmm. and enough enough concomitant activity Mm -hmm. where we create great economic rent for ourselves. In Washington, it's a zero-sum game. I'm looking at the two of you. Let me stab your eyeballs out. Let me red-wedding this situation. (laughs) I want to be the last guy standing here, uh, and I've got to control Mm -hmm. the agenda myself. And that's why the president's suffering. The president picked cesspool operators— okay to come in and try to drain the swamp cesspool operator is only going to pour sewage into the swamp not going to drain it Mm -hmm. so do you blame the president for that
0: picking the wrong people not seeing that i
1: don't i don't blame him because he did what any business person would do if you're going to build a condominium hire condominium builders if you're going to build a golf course Mm -hmm. go with golf course designers if you're going to build a government Go with people that know how to operate inside the walls of a government. You know, my original job, people don't remember this, I was supposed to be the OPL director. Yeah, Office uh, of Pub-
0: Public Liaison. Pu- Public Liaison. Mm-hmm. I was
1: going to be the president's chief network That never officer. happened, did it? Well, it did for about six days. I hired Andrew Giuliani, Rudy's uh, son. Right. Uh, then Priebus and Bannon were making up these things about my businesses, and they were saying, well, because you're selling to the Chinese, we've yes. got to put this thing the on sky hold. Bridge. In the meantime, other people, and I'm not picking on anybody, whether it was Wilbur Ross or other people. People had holdings. They had totally yeah. exceptions. They were moving the goalposts on me. Mm. They moved the goalposts on Vinny Viola for secretary of the army. Anybody that really was a New Yorker that was relatable mm. to Trump and vice versa, they were moving the goalposts on. And then I did the stupidest thing that I've done so far. I put my pride and I put my ego Into my decision making. And so once they were stopping me and I realized how nefarious they were, Mm -hmm. I locked and loaded like a Rottweiler and I went right in there for the job. Yeah. Okay. And so I was relentless. And finally, uh, the president realized he had a problem with them. They were the two biggest leakers in the system, Priebus and Bannon. And Mm -hmm. I, I did a Carrie Matheson review of how they were leaking on the president. Uh, Here's the bylines of all the different reporters at the bottom of the story. Priebus likes that one. Bannon talks to this one 17 times a day. And I'm just telling you, this is how they look. And by the way, when they use your name, because they know you don't read the Washington Examiner, Uh and they know Hope Hicks isn't cutting it out for Mm -hmm. you, they say, you know, Trump hates Ashley, according to senior sources in Uh the White House. (laughs) Uh You know what I mean? I said, so they're using your name. They used your name 18 times in the Washington Examiner. Mm -hmm. So he had smoke coming out of his ears, and then... He killed me on the first day, and I'll tell you what he did. He had me reporting directly to him. And so that made it impossible for whoever the next chief of staff was going to be to keep me because I can't— So Priebus did not, obviously, immediately, but— let me, but anyway, look. I mean, let you mean you, look. I sound like I'm bitter about it. I hope I'm not coming across that nah, way. You know, no, I'm no, coming across about what happened. It's revelatory. Fact. I. There's no uh, whining from me. Mm-hmm. I swear to God on the Bible, I don't feel any bitterness. I feel some regret. I feel like I made some mistakes. Well, that was like my I question to have, you. What would you have yeah. done differently? Of course, the infamous
0: so, phone call to Ryan Lizza at yeah, the, uh, the that the New was New obviously a
1: mistake. I trusted Ryan, and Did that was a mistake. Him, I shouldn't have trusted him. Did you say
0: to him, "Hey, this is off the record"? I didn't.
1: No, I didn't. And so it's like it's what Howie Kurtz. Said to me, he's never seen in forty years in Washington mm-hmm. somebody doing that uh, with that level of unethics yeah. to a, a to a uh, you know mm. a, 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 a West Wing employee, yeah. a member of the senior West Wing staff, and I said to Ryan on the phone, my last phone conversation with Ryan. Are you sure you want to do this to me? Are you sure you and Remnick want to do this to me? I'm trying to open mm-hmm. up the White House to the press. I turn the lights and cameras back on. I'm trying to create a service organization here where we can start servicing the mm-hmm. press better. Yeah. Are you sure you want to wipe me out on this? This will certainly get me fired. Oh, this is such a relevant story. And mm-hmm. the fact you said these things. Mm-hmm. and. I said, well, people talk like that. I mean, I talk like that. Yeah. By the way, Trump talks like that. Yeah. I mean, if you think he doesn't talk like that. Because you're from like New York. That, but, that's how people yeah, talk. If you think he doesn't <laughs> talk like that, then, you know, I got a, a crystal metal yeah. a vial I'm going to give you. But, but, you know, so at the end of the day, I made a mistake. Ryan was very transactional. And uh, I'll never talk to him again. There's well, no need for me well, to let talk me, to let me just back out. I just
0: want for people who don't understand the story, you were upset. You had just become the White House communications director. You were upset that there was a leak of a dinner, including the Trump's. Sean Hannity, uh, then Fox News executive Bill Shine. And it was out there that this took place. You were upset, and you wanted to know who leaked it. And that's how you ended up calling Ryan, because you wanted to ask Ryan... Well, because I falsely trusted him. Okay, so you you called and said... Who did you get this information from? Because I, you wanted to know who he said the leaker was. He
1: said he couldn't tell me, and I laughed. I said, I understand that. I respect that you won't be able to tell me. And then he started this very obsequious thing. You know, you should really listen to the mm. conversation. Mm. He said, I want you to do a profile with us in The New Yorker. I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm not self-promotional like Steve Bannon. I'm not going to blank mm-hmm. my blankety-blank. That was a stupid thing to say, obviously. I was saying it colloquially like we were you, in a you private— call, You call Priebus a effing paranoid schizophrenic. Well, he, he is. Okay, <laughs> so you have to take out the effing, but he's absolutely— no. Yeah. He's got a multiple personality disorder, and he's very, very paranoid. And they used to call him a potted plant in there like because he would almost sit in the Oval Office to see who was coming in and who was leaving. He was totally ill-tempered for that job. A players hire A++ players. C players hire D players. Mm -hmm. When the president was trying to give me the comms job, I said, you know, I'm not the best suited for it. I am very suited to— clean this place up and to reculturize the firm because that's what I've been doing my whole life as a business executive. But we're going to bring this guy, Bill Shine, down here. And, and the president looked at me and said, Bill Shine, you think he would be interested in doing this? And Of course he would. It's the White House. Yeah. I said, I'm going to give Bill a call. He's just left Fox News. He's unbelievably talented. Let's recruit him. And I called him, and we had him down there on the Wednesday. And the reason why I know it was a Wednesday, I was only there for one Wednesday, so I know it was a Wednesday. (laughs) And so we brought him down there. We had dinner. The dinner got leaked in 13 seconds. And I was trying to figure out who leaked it. And I said very colloquially, I wasn't unhinged. I wasn't uh, inebriated. I just said like a classic blue-collar New Yorker, a few of my feelings about these people. Mm -hmm. Somebody said to me, well, you're – you're a leaker, too, or you're a backstabber? No, no, I'm not. Those guys knew exactly you how were trying I felt to, about them. You were trying to find the leak. Yeah, and, and mm. by the way, Bannon knew exactly what I thought about him. Yeah. He wasn't surprised that I said that. Yeah. Priebus wasn't surprised. Yeah, you know, my rule is if I hate your guts and I walk right up to you and say, Brian, I hate your guts, then I'm allowed to be in a mm-hmm. bar with Ashley right. and say, you know, I hate yeah. Brian's yeah, guts. that's fine. Because I've given him the full mm-hmm. disclosure that I hate him. It's no secret. It's no secret. So, that's not backstabbing. No. That's front You see the difference? Yeah. In the middle of this, Priebus quits. And then Sean Spicer, the press secretary, yeah. says,
0: I'm out too. So he What's- was
1: out on the first day. That was very good because – you know, my nickname for him was like Liar Spice from the Spice Girls, right? Every Spice Girl's got a nickname. Like this guy was like an unbelievable liar, okay? And as incompetent as I was as the comms director, I mean, this guy was a hazardous <laughs> piece of material at the press conference. Yeah. At least I gave a good first press you conference. You did. I got to say. <laughs> yeah. I gave a good press. You know, I was probably telling the truth a little bit too much from the podium. Yeah. That gets you in trouble well, in Washington. I thought Washington. you did a good job on that. It was, but I mean, it was, it was entertaining. Good. I, I'd say that. No, people ask me questions. I'm answering the questions. Let's yeah. move on. So in the middle, no, I'm going to back down from anybody. I'm a New Yorker. <laughs> what good do you TV. Want me to do? Yeah. So <laughs> so so
0: of course, then John Kelly comes in as the uh, yeah. I didn't chief know him. I had
1: no relationship. But with But he him.
0: immediately says, "Hey, this Scaramucci guy. This is he's lost his credibility. It's out there. He's been you know this interview with the uh, yeah. with the New Yorker and everything. How does it go down? He says, uh, "Hey, Anthony, can you come in
1: the office? I need to talk to you. What happens? So so how it goes down is uh, the the president calls me on Saturday. He says, "Okay, the thing's going to blow over. The news cycle will blow it over. Be be in my office at 8 a.m. Let's get to work. He has dinner with uh, uh, Kelly and Wilbur Ross and Mnuchin that night at the uh, Trump Hotel. And Stephen gives me a call, says, yeah, I think you're fine. And then I told my parents, if I make it through Monday morning, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. But on Sunday, I had called the White House looking for John Kelly's cell phone number, and I never got a return call. So then I said, "Okay, I'm likely getting fired. Uh, but I found out I got fired at 7 a.m. in the morning uh, when I landed from New York because uh, I was I was home for the weekend. The president said to me, mm-hmm. you know, previously the resigning or I'm firing them. Better for you to be out of the picture. I stayed home on Long Island. So I flew back on that Monday. And uh, uh, Nick Ayers, who's the chief of staff mm-hmm. for the vice president, was trying to reach me. He called me on my regular phone. And he said, why aren't you picking up the bat phone? That's the encrypted phone mm-hmm. that they issue you. Uh, where you know they can't scramble, you know it's all right, scrambled. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I turned that phone on, and that phone was inoperable. It wasn't working, and I knew it wasn't uh, a technical difficulty. I yeah. knew my phone not had a gotten- good sign. <laughs> I knew my phone had gotten operationally yeah. deactivated. And I said, Nick, I'm about 10 minutes from the West Wing. Let me come into the West Wing and see you. And when I got to the West Wing, I did whatever he needed me to do, and then I apologized to Mike Pence or uh, Vice President Pence mm. for my profanity. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't expect it to be out there. But listen, I did feel that way about those guys, so it is what it is. Yeah. I own the conversation, and I take responsibility. I got fired for it, so mm. I don't know what more responsibility I could take for it. And uh, and then I waited. And when after Kelly got sworn in, he called me into his office, and he said that uh, – you know, you're never going to survive this uh, conversation and not in a town like this. I was thinking about the Access Hollywood situation. I'm like, wow, man, no, I don't know. I think we could basically What's the standard? survive. <laughs> I, said, I we could basically survive anything. I didn't say that. And then he said to me, and I may not remember it correctly because I was under a little bit of stress. But yeah. I thought mm-hmm. he said to me, if you want to talk to the president about it, you can. But I have the full authority over the staff. I said, sir, I don't need to talk to the president. I mean, you're, mm-hmm. you're the chief of staff. You don't want me here. Mm-hmm. I'm not the kind of guy that's going to create dissension where you and I are fighting here in the West Wing and I get the president mm-hmm. to overrule your decision. Yeah. I said, I'll go. I've got a few things that I need to do administratively that uh, I'm responsible for this morning. Are you OK if I stay till 1 o'clock? He said, oh, no, absolutely. We shook hands. And I left, uh, and I was walked out by Jim Carroll, and then obviously, you know, one of the acolytes of Priebus, one of these people, mm-hmm. I got walked out by the Secret Service. That was a bunch of malarkey, you know. Yeah. But that's what they do to you. You know, yeah. they try to spin you and characterize you a certain way. Yeah. And so I walked down Pennsylvania Avenue back to the Trump Hotel, and this is a funny part of the story. that That news story didn't leak. Those people were so scared about the leaking, it was announced by – Sarah Sanders, mm-hmm. from the podium that I was gone. And then the eight, you know what, hit the fan for me. And, uh, yeah. and it's was, what is it? I, got, I got roasted. I got broiled. I got grounded. I got sausaged, I got stuffed into sausage casing. Other than that, it was great. <laughs> it was fun, <laughs> right? But listen, I mean, here's the thing, okay? Like, I made a mistake. I paid for it in the international media. Uh, and what I tell people in my book, it's not the 11 days. It's the 12th day. Mm-hmm. what are you going to do on the metaphorical 12th day when you are been knocked to the ground and you've been roundly humiliated and by the way you've been justifiably m- humiliated I made a mistake I owned the mistake I should have never had that call with Ryan Lizzo so it's not like I'm sitting here like the scarecrow pointing fingers mm-hmm. in different directions away right. from myself mm-hmm. I own the mistake I take the hit. I'm personally accountable for what I did but now what how do you pick yourself back up How do you dust yourself off and how do you you get back in the arena? And so I write a lot about that in the book, how you have to have a a level of mental toughness. Do you still have contact with the president? You know, I haven't talked to him in a while. I, I, Mm -hmm. uh, I, I actually was trying to figure out the last time I talked to him. Uh, I think it was the, the last week in July. It was after the Junker meeting. Mm. We were mm. talking about the trade situation. But, you know, I don't have a reason to call him. He calls me. Obviously, I pick up the phone and talk to him. Yeah. Uh, Kelly obviously doesn't like me for whatever reason, and so he made it personal. I was invited down by a few staff members to come down to something. He blocked my entrance into the uh, building. Come on, Is I said, right? okay, yeah, yeah, it's fine. I don't kind know why. I said, all right, it's no problem. Uh, uh, the president, I helped the president organize the Davos trip, yeah. but I was the only executive from a america that wasn't allowed to go to the presidential reception john kelly blocked that as well so that's the it's very let me let me me tell you why washington is like that okay you guys should appreciate this and hopefully your listeners Mm -hmm. will you know why washington is like that because the stakes are so small you got that (laughs) Mm -hmm. if there was a billion dollars on this table right now you hated my guts let me tell you something, baby. We're going to subordinate our <laughs> yeah. egos. I mean, we're going to subordinate our emotions. We're going to chop it up, man. Yeah, You're walking out with 333. So am I. <laughs> I mean, we'll try to take at least $1 million yeah. from Ashley. From we're going right. right. to get him Bring him it at, on. Bring it at on. 332. Yeah. You know what, <laughs> what I mean? You're not going 333 oh, we'll and a clean. half each. But we're all coming out of here smiling, okay? <laughs> He'll go home and tell his wife that he hates my guts, but he's not barring me at the door at the White House. No. You know what I'm saying? No. He's yeah. taking the 333. And so when the stakes are small, people act like that. You know, yeah. and that's fine. I learned. I got the PhD, eleven day PhD on how Washington operates, and I got a twelfth day PhD on myself. I can take a punch. I don't have a glass jaw. I can joke about it. And you sort of have to do it for your kids. You have to you know, do that, got, don't you, Anthony? Yeah. I, don't in, you have to do that? It's you do. how you handle yeah. it, as opposed to what's happening. Hey, to and you. and the ultimate accolade—you
0: you, got—you got spoofed on SNL. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's they a were, bucket they were list. It. What do you a think of that? List oh, item. Surely.
1: I, you know, I loved it. I, I told Lorne Michaels. I, huh. I think Bill Hader's got to be a little fatter because I'm a little chubster. <laughs> And I said, I need a little bit more hairspray going there, and I don't like the way he's tying his knot, because <laughs> so, I got a little bit of OCD with not tying on the tie. Uh. And so, but other than that, I thought the guy was great, and and is was such a good sport, because you know, Mooch, you're you're hysterical. He says, he says, uh, come to the Christmas show and sit in the stands. And I said, okay, no problem. So I brought my wife, I brought my, uh, my 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 uh, my son was a freshman in college, brought his girlfriend, uh-huh. and so now we got these like VIP cool. seats, okay. I'm about to get lit up. Yeah. Okay, here comes Alec Baldwin, and I'm looking at him. He looks Uh-oh. so much like Trump. I'm like, oh, please, Mr. President, don't fire me again. Okay? I don't think I can take it again. Okay, it's Christmas. Please don't fire me again. right? And so the Sarah Sanders lookalike says, you know, Mr. President, uh-huh. we have this tree of shame here. And uh, the first tree of shame bobble was Sean Spicer's head, and they put that on the tree of shame. And then they go, and we have Anthony Scaramucci's head for the tree of shame. And the cameras pan to me. <laughs> I, mean, I am redder than this red <laughs> microphone button. <laughs> I have just been lit up on national TV, and I'm just shaking my head. That's pretty, love put I love mean, it. Like, you know, you got to roll, man. Yeah. You got to roll. You, you gotta, you're you made for it or you're not. And uh, you know that adage that your grandmother told you that yeah. what other people think of you is none mm-hmm. of your business? You got to live that yeah. in a situation like yeah. the one I experienced. Well, what do you think
2: of how you reacted from all this? Because, you, I mean, you're a wildly successful guy in in your career. And this, you know, this is the one of the old... Ultimate honors to be asked to the White House, right? How do you think you reacted it, and not just the twelfth day, but going forward? Because you know, I see you over here in the hallways at Fox. I mean, you can't get bigger than Fox. You know, people know you. How do you think you know you've reacted to all this? You know, down the line now.
1: Well, I would like to think that uh, I've been honest about it. I'd like mm-hmm. to think I've given a fair appraisal of my own shortcomings. I'd like to think that I've learned a lot and I can provide hopefully some political insight into what I see going on and, and mm-hmm. help people analyze the behavior of certain situations and uh you know i love my country and i want to serve the country i thought that it was uh if you think about my life coming from blue collar family to where i am today it was an improbable experience it's not all about money for me if it was i would have stayed right where i was and continued to host at wall street week and mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. i could have probably done better in some ways because i would have had a probably better relationship with these people what you find with political operatives if you're a money check writer no problem, you can be an ambassador. No problem, we'll put you on a committee and we'll invite you to the Christmas party. Oh, you're not man. coming to the White House because right. okay? you're worth a lot more money than me and I'm not giving you that prestigious job too. I'm going to stab your eyeball out with a ballpoint pen. You're not coming to the White House, <laughs> yeah. right? And so, you know, previous wanted me to be the ambassador to Antarctica, but we had a very good relation with the Penguins. <laughs> so I didn't think that was the appropriate <laughs> hey. place for me, right? It's still <laughs> an honor. So, so it's fine, you know I mean? But my point is is that I think I've been very refl- reflective, yeah. very mm. honest about it. And uh, the most important thing is that I was able to repair my relationship with my wife. We were on the uh, two-inch line of a divorce. She Mm. had filed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of it was personal related. Some of it was our relationship related. And some of it was politically related. And so we're doing a podcast now called Mooch and the (laughs) Misses. And I'm telling you, she, takes a, she yeah. takes a chainsaw to my forehead. She's a liberal, okay? So she's, <laughs> ah, she's coming at me with a chainsaw ah. for 35 minutes. Well, and which let me is tell interesting. you, guys, it's cheaper than therapy to have your own podcast. Okay? <laughs> yeah, right. A lot cheaper. Than Why do you
2: think we get along so well? Right? Exactly. <laughs> right, right. Well, listen, you. One were... of
1: these two guys is laying on a couch. I won't tell you which <laughs> one. Okay?
0: Get up, Ryan, Get up. Okay. Hey, listen, you... off your knees. Now, listen, Anthony. You were. You were. Stop it. Stop it. You I'm were. You supported Anthony. You did support
1: Hillary. You did support Barack Obama at one point. Yeah, you were on pragmatist. that side of the aisle. Just like Donald J. Trump. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly right. Yeah. Chuck Schumer. Yes. You, you'll find me on Chuck Schumer, Schumer's donor list. I don't think I gave anybody a Gillibrand, but there's a lot of uh, uh, Democratic politicians. Andrew Cuomo, I grew up with him. I, I gave him money. Um, I, I was a pragmatist business was it, person. It was an issue for you. It was based on issues,
0: not so much Correct. you were blindly... Yeah, you know what? It was one actually... One way or the other.
1: Exactly. I'd be even more candid than that. It was based on relationships. So okay. if, if Ashley was one of my big clients, mm-hmm. hey, I'm hosting a fundraiser for XYZ Candidate, mm-hmm. I'd say, no problem. What is it? A $2,500 minimum? Thank God it's a twenty dollars And I'd write the check and I'd <laughs> hand it to him. And then, of course, I'd show up on the donor yeah. wall somewhere. Right. Yeah. You so see what I
2: mean? It was more... It was So the personal side of it was more important to you than maybe the political issues, would you say, sometimes?
1: No, I would say not sometimes, I would say always. I was completely and totally politically agnostic. Um, Mm. You know, people say to me, oh, well, you know, you're a TV hound and you're a hound dog for TV and publicity. But you got to remember, I was on Wall Street for 21 years. Mm. I never once went on television. I only started going on television when I built my conference business and I had to promote it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, then I started going on television and I said, okay, this is good for my business. I'll stay on television. As it related to politics, I had no interest in it. I was always focused on being an entrepreneur. Mm. And then a fellow by the name of Barack Obama, who went to law school with me, ran, and I, I write about it in the book. And so I, I met with him at the University Club up here on Sixtieth Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was with a couple of our other Walsh, uh, uh, Harvard Law School friends, and I said, "Okay, fine, I'll help you." You know, I mean, is how, how many times in my life am I going to know the president yeah. of the United States? I was thinking to myself. And of course, it was more than once. Yeah, I was going to say. No. Yeah. And so, you know, when he started really lurching to the left on business and Elizabeth mm. Warrenifying his uh, business regulation, ideas, regulation, regulation. I went to a Koch conference, you know, the Charles yeah. and David Koch guys. Yeah. They stood up and I said, This is my first Charles and David Koch conference. I am a Roman Catholic. <laughs> I supported Barack Obama and I'm now paying penis here at the Charles and David Koch conference. <laughs> and they all left it. And, and I paid my penance. I went uh, to work for Mitt Romney. Yep. I built a relationship with Scott Walker. Yep. Jeb Bush. Jeb Bush. You know, and those guys, I I thought were real politicians i thought yeah. trump was fooling everybody yeah you know i was in his office the day after the apprentice he says aunt i'm running for president i said no you're not you he didn't goes, believe yes, him I am. you didn't honestly i didn't i said listen he goes were you watching the apprentice last night that was mm. my finale but i said no i actually wasn't he goes I it was fantastic <laughs> i had phenomenal ratings and i personally was fantastic i said i'm sure you were Just i said so I, I was know. watching fox news where you were showing up as two percent in the polls And he looks at me and he says, yeah, that's because they're like you. They don't think I'm running. Let me tell you something. When I run – I'm going to shoot right to the top of the polls. I'm going to stay right there until I win the presidency. And I got to tell you, something, more or less, did that. Yeah. You know, but for the he? Access Hollywood tape, you know, yeah,
2: he knew about it. So, That's crazy. so I so give the guy enormous
1: think, credit. I mean, how do you think he's doing, Anthony? I mean, so me
0: I, we often ask w- the question: yep. Are we ever going to get used to his style? Maybe, maybe not. Well, but maybe, you, but he is accomplishing things. Maybe he's ruffling it. a lot of feathers. We know that. Mm-hmm. But are you surprised at what he's achieved well, up well, to the now?
1: Liberals, the liberals will go nuts about. Uh, for what I'm about to say, he has neuroplasticity, meaning that he can change and adapt. What he did with Twitter, most 16-year-olds couldn't do with Twitter, and he won the presidency through social media. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he can adapt. I'm hoping that there's some neuroplasticity there where he dials back some of the bellicosity instead of continues to ramp it up, because the bellicosity, to me, is a headwind uh, on the way to 50 or 55 percent. If he... Calm down, and I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to give you scientific mm-hmm. evidence. There was a three-week period of time last month where nobody was talking about Trump. They were talking about this kid uh, Kavanaugh, the Justice mm-hmm. Kavanaugh. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, they're talking about him. The gun is off Trump. The heat is off Trump. Yeah. And he's going from 43 to 47% in the approval ratings. And so right, right. my message would be calm it down a little, and you're going to go right through 50%. So I'm hoping that happens. But here's what he did. I do think he's doing a good job. But here's what he did. I want you to think about the genius of this. He enters the uh, the political arena. In 17 short months, he hijacks the establishment Republicans, mm-hmm. OK? And he becomes their nominee despite their protestations, and they're mm-hmm. trying to block him. He then steals the base from the other party and moves it over to his ledger. You have to think about the magnitude of what he did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Whether you like him or you dislike him, I try to illustrate for you in the book this is what he did. Here's the perspective. And so by and large, as an economist, I'm a trained economist, Yeah, I think the economic dashboard looks pretty good. Yeah. I think he's doing a good job as it relates to setting the table on trade. And I think he's going to get a deal with the North Koreans. And, you know, you look at the accomplishments and you check them yeah. off. If he was Barack Obama or he was Joe Biden and he mm-hmm. did that – They would be chipping uh, granite that Mount Rushmore for the guy. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's 100% true. So I I, I still am very fond of him. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think I was treated fairly in terms of the way I was fired. I've been Mm. very honest about that. Mm. You don't have to fire a guy like me like that. Yes, I made a mistake. But why create a spectacle like that and Mm. why do that? When I gave you several hundred thousand dollars and I gave you hundreds of hours of media advocacy and I raised you millions of dollars during the campaign, you could have said to me, look, you made a really bad mistake. It's a fireball offense, but you've been a good guy and a team player up until now. Let's glide path you out of here in a way Mm -hmm. where you don't explode. But here's the good news. It did make me famous, and I yeah. told the president, you made me as famous as Melania and Ivanka. I didn't have to sleep with you or be your daughter. <laughs> and okay, he so said? Yeah. He said, you're right, and I want 10% of your action. <laughs> you're lucky. You're lucky I'm president because I can't take 10% <laughs> yeah. of your action like your Hollywood well, agent. Juice. So right, <laughs> he, was looking, he was looking for juice. So yeah, That's the lovable part yeah. of him. You know, okay? And he meant it, by the way. It wasn't a joke.
0: <laughs> so what else are we going to hear in this book? I want to come back to your book, The Blue Collar President. Um, what, do, what can you tell me about this president that we don't already know? Because to me, he seems like a guy who puts it all out there. He has no filter. Uh, he seems to be a guy that likes to have chaos around him because he seems yeah. to thrive in chaos. He
1: likes, he li- he likes it, but I'll, I'll tell you something that you don't know. Right. Or maybe you know intuitively, but like when he's switched on entertainment mode, you know, that rhetoric is pouring and the tweets are pouring and he's out there trying to galvanize his base. Mm-hmm. That's entertainment mode. When he switches on leadership mode and he's in the situation room and there's a very important thing going on Mm -hmm. and they're giving him a buffet table of decisions to make. And let me tell you something. If it's getting to the president of the United States, that means there are 5,000 other people in the American government that couldn't make the decision. Mm -hmm. So now the decisions are really tough. It's between this is really bad or this is slightly less really bad. Otherwise, other people in the government would have made the decision. Right. And I found him in the 11 short days that I was there that when I saw him looking at a tough situation, I found him to be very tempered, very, very rational and very programmed. And, I, I thought, oh. I thought, and by the way, I predicted that he would get a trade deal done with Canada mm-hmm. based on that. And I'll make a prediction here on your podcast. Yep. He'll mm-hmm. get a trade deal done with China probably f- before the end of January. Wow. Okay. I think he gets it done because uh, he's a pragmatist. He doesn't want to overly mm-hmm. upset the market. And he knows he'll get enough concessions from them that'll be good for the United States and its workers. But he has a way of reaching that base
0: through Twitter, through social media that goes right over the heads of the elitist, and, established
1: media yep. and reaches people directly. It's remarkable. I've never
0: seen anything like it up that happen. And I explain that in point. the book
1: because I say what ends up happening in our society by accident is that the rich are getting lubricated because they're donors. And so the rich are always getting taken care of by the political class. And the poor are getting taken care of by the cl- political class because the you know, there's always people in the government that are uh, trying to help them. Mm-hmm. But there in the middle, a vacuum, a three-decade vacuum was created in the lower middle class and the middle class where they felt that their voices weren't heard. Yeah. And in comes their advocate. I'm here to advocate on your behalf, and I'm going to advocate on your behalf from the Oval Office. And that was intoxicating for those people. They would line up, and they'd be at capacity in those arenas. They still are. And yeah. they still are. And let me tell you yeah. something. Let me tell you something, Okay. Those rallies are a lot of fun, mm-hmm. okay. And he's an entertaining yeah. guy. I'm gonna tell you one piece of trivia, okay? All right. Before I let you, you know, before you guys blow me out of here, but I'll tell you one piece of trivia. The uh, the food on Air Force One is very, very good. Okay, It was with a Democratic <laughs> operative. He said, "Don't say that because you, you know, we don't want people to know because you know." You know they'll feel you know that we're elitist. <laughs> mm-hmm. I said uh, you are elitist, and actually I happen to be one now too. <laughs> yeah. But I'm hoping for being a grounded elitist. Okay, right. But the food is very good on Air Force One. I ordered the Italian wedding soup, and I'm sitting there eating it. And I said, oh, "Are you going to eat your soup?" Because I ordered one for the president, right? Yeah. Oh no, no, I can't eat the soup. I said, "Why are you eating the soup?" Because I, I, I never eat before performance. I said, why is that? He goes, I have something Frank Sinatra taught me. He said, you know, if you eat before the performance, the energy and the sugar is going into your stomach to digest, and you're a little sluggish out there. He goes, I need my energy for these things.
2: Huh. It's a little piece wow. of
0: trivia. That's, oh, that's, that's that a good you. insight. Do you
1: eat
2: before you go on air?
1: Oh,
0: I'll eat any time. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Have you well, seen me? Yeah, I me wanna, too. I want to ask
2: you, you know, you know, you say a lot about, you know, being from New York, blue collar type people, right? Do you think that's also what resonates so much with, with President Trump's base is not just him being, you know, representative of that, but the people he surrounded himself, people like you. Um, you know, I think Sarah Huckabee has that type of style where she's, you know, of she'll talk right out, you know. Her, yeah. I love you, yeah, people yeah. but people like that that he surrounded himself with in the administration,
1: mm-hmm. I think that also resonates. Do you think that? I do think that, yeah, and Sarah's terrific. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I only had three official things that I did in the White House. One was I turned the lights and cameras back on. Mm-hmm. I was the comms director when Sarah was made the permanent press secretary, mm-hmm. and then I hired a hair and makeup artist. I thought I needed one, okay, so that was like big for me. You know? <laughs> well, I, learned well that I learned that here at the Fox News Corporation. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs>
2: there you go.
0: <laughs> so, as you look back on this, I mean, did I? Uh, it's remarkable life
1: is short and you have lived a full life Amen. and
0: you're just halfway through
1: Amen. let's be honest well I'm here with great gratitude you know I wake up in the morning sure. and I say, thank God did you ever feel oh. like at some point I'm in a movie do you ever um, pinch yourself I you're on Air Force One ordering Italian wedding yeah. suit yeah I felt uh, a little detached from it at some point yeah. I felt it felt a little bit surreal uh, I remember the first time I was in the Oval Office, I was sitting at the chair next to the Resolute desk. The president was behind it. I said, sir, i got to ask you something. I said, be honest. I said, when you first walked in here, was your heart racing? Was your heart beating fast? And he looked at me and said, yeah, a little. He said, but you know what? You know, you get used to it. He goes, I'll tell you when it really happened to me. This is the president talking. He goes, and I think it was Prime Minister May, actually. I um, I, I, I mean, don't fact check me because I don't want to – I don't want to – I told a lie. But whoever the first – Head of state was that he visited. Mm -hmm. He said he was at the North Portico. They were pulling up in the limo, and he turned around. And there's this big presidential seal in the crosswalk. You may have seen it in the White House. And so he turned around. He's like walking back into the White House. House, Okay, I'm I'm the President of the United States. I'm greeting (laughs) this head of state. You know. (laughs) And it said he dawned on him. He said, "But let me tell you something. There's so much work to do here. After a few days, I'm telling you, all of that butterflies, all of that palpitation." He's going to leave you because you're going to be locked in the cockpit at work. And he was right about that. Yeah. And, of course, it was only eight days, right? I got blown right out. I mean, three <laughs> days of heart palpitations and three days of normalcy <laughs> and one day of absolute media hysteria. But <laughs> he, has
0: re- he has remarkable energy.
1: He showed yeah. it during the campaign
0: to, yeah, no to fend off
1: all those other primary no uh, he's competitors. Got, he's incredible. Yeah, he's got the and, – and, and this is a lesson for listeners. If you don't drink – and you don't smoke. You too can fly on Air Force One four hundred thousand hours, and, and still be, you know, ready to go like the Energizer money. Yeah. So yeah. what's next for Anthony Scaramucci? You're writing back, a lot. You're still back riding, in the finance. Back at Skybridge. <laughs> yeah. uh, my Big, big uh, gratefulness. Shout out to you guys for being on this podcast. And uh, you know, doing a little bit of TV, little TV commentating, yeah. and I'm doing a lot of speeches. Okay, mm-hmm. but they're not necessarily paid ones. They're they're ones for my clients. You know, I right. go out different areas of the country, or you know, I've been in the last eight weeks. I, w- I was counting with my wife. I've been in 19 U.S. cities. In eight international cities. So that's a big travel schedule. Yeah, preparation for the book, but also talking about the macro economy. And so for me, I'm very energized to be back at Skybridge. I'm very grateful to be back there. And I'll probably try to double the size of the business. Do you uh, get a
0: lot of recognition? I'm sorry? Do you get recognized a lot?
1: Oh, oh yes. No, yeah. I do. Lot yeah, of selfies. I, don't want, well, I don't want to sound self-important, but yes, because people think I'm a character. Right? <laughs> like these Barstool sports guys, okay? Yeah. Like what are Saturdays for, guys, right? Yeah. They're like, you know, for Boy the boys. The boys. Yeah. I was on Barstool radio this morning. They were all going nuts. You know what I <laughs> mean? Well, and I told these guys, I said, listen, you little millennials, okay, you better get out there and buy my book. Okay? Yes. It's on Amazon.com. I know you're not going to read it, but you better get out there and buy it. And I know you're using your mother's credit card. Okay? Yeah. Get out there and buy the book. Cause I got to get this ranking up on Amazon. Buy that book, get to and you're all cracking up. You know what I mean? And by the way, it moved. I was like, yeah, yeah. you know, we got a little OCD on, on book movement too. I check the phone every 17 seconds. Okay.
2: <laughs> See, every time it goes up. Well, the thing is, at your book party, first of all, the line was at the door. <laughs> first of
1: all, did you Second get in there? Yeah. Well, oh, believe okay, me, good. I got it. Yeah, don't worry okay, about it.
2: Good. Thank you. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, you were mob. People taking selfies with you every single step you took. I mean, talk yeah, about that. I, I hope there. I
1: handle that with like some graciousness and yeah. humility. You know what I mean? A, I, look, you're I mean, a, to me, yeah. I try to take. I, I mean, I really like people. I hope that yeah. comes across. And I love hearing people's stories. And you know, when my grandmother got here in 1923, she started as a maid. So I'm always leaving extra money in every hotel room because it could be oh, my grandmother. Yeah. You know, and we know when you're an entrepreneur, you know that a lot of your success is providential. You know, yes, I've worked very hard. I took some very good calculated risks, and I've gotten some things wrong, mm. but by and large, things have broken my way. And so, if you get a little smashing at the White House, you know it sucks. But you know what? You're going to live through it, and you're, you're going to get to the other side. So you're it. the yeah. mooch. That's you, the big have, message, you know. Yeah. Resilience and tenacity, and a sense of humor get you a long way.
0: Have you patented
1: the mooch? So I don't think you can. We tried no. to actually. Did you my, try? Yeah, my assistant tried to, but apparently it's so generic it would Aww, be like me patenting be like me patenting milk. <laughs> so I can't do it.
0: You're anything but milk. Yeah,
1: but I'm not, milk, not, milk, not milk toast, man.
0: <laughs>
1: well, I'll thank you again. Guys, so, thank you so I'm much for coming fan. in I'm a huge fan. I'll be uh subscri- I'm, I'm, a, I'm a new subscriber. I'm well, a huge you. fan. And hopefully I'll see you on the Varney So we'll Tell that you. cheap Brit oh, he- to invite me back on the show, okay? I want to come back oh, on yeah. and see you guys. Okay? Yeah, he's he's cheap. Sure. Tell say Mr. Cheapo. You know what I'm about about when I call him cheap on the air? He's like, yeah, absolutely. right. He's proud of He's got a sock from 1955 three okay? And the other side from 1957, and they don't match. But, you know, it's so fine. Isn't. It's very usable. It's very we usable. love you,
0: Stuart Barney. We love you too, Anthony Scaramucci. Well, Thanks you so much for being you know, here. I love
1: Stuart, but you guys are terrific. Uh, Thanks okay. thank, thank you so much. for including thank me. Hey, our absolute Goodbye. pleasure. Thanks, everyone,
0: for joining the podcast. We'll see you back here next time.